Time for us to look at the future of, and this week we are looking at the future of social media subscription services because YouTube Music and YouTube Premium have hit quite a significant milestone, 100 million subscribers. And so it raises the question, has YouTube cracked it? Have they cracked the code on how to make people pay for uh, content on the internet? And maybe you are among the 100 million subscribers. You give YouTube some of your money. I think the subscription's about, is it 80 rand, 70 rand a month? Do you give them some of your money every month? And if so, why? Why did you make the decision to pay? And every person who now pays for YouTube musical premium, say once you pay for the subscription, you can't actually go back. The experience is so different that they can't go back to the free version. So I want to know if you do pay for YouTube premium or any subscription service for any online based or social media service, why do you pay? What is the thing that made you pay? And, you know, it could even be paying for news. If there's an online platform that you pay for, which one is it? Why do you pay for it? Let us know on 011-883-0702. Send us your SMSs on 31702 and your WhatsApp messages on 072702-1702. Joined on the line by good friend of the show. He's editor-at-large at my broadband, Jan van Mullen, joining us on the line this morning. Jan, it's good to have you on the show again. Good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. So quite a lot of reporting, seemingly seemingly quite a lot of fanfare that YouTube has now cracked or hit 100 million subscribers, certainly YouTube Premium and YouTube Music. Is that a big deal that they have reached? Is it as big a deal as it is being made out to be that they add 100 million paid subscriptions? Yeah, 100 million paid subscriptions is a, is a, huge, uh, is a huge number. Um, to put that you know, in perspective, Apple Music, uh, I think the last stat I saw for Apple Music subscribers was at around 88 million. It's projected to have to, to hit 100 million this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so 100 million is, uh, is, a, is a huge number for a subscription service, even if you are Google. So, so yeah, no, it, the, the fanfare is well-deserved. And so what is it about, I mean, you just mentioned that Apple Music, for instance, hasn't quite reached that number yet. Where are other, the other major platforms in comparison to YouTube Music and Premium? So where are the likes of, um, you know, where is X, um, where is Spotify? Because those, I imagine, would be the direct competitors to YouTube Music and Premium. So uh, I would actually argue, so, so, um, so Spotify is the number I have in front of me. Um, and so they last reported a number of 236 million subscribers. And so uh, Spotify obviously has early mover advantage in, in music streaming uh, around the world. So, so they, um, they've racked up the, the most subscriptions there. But I would argue that YouTube, YouTube um, is, uh, sits in a very interesting niche in that it is not a social media platform um, uh, alone, right? So, so it, while it competes against the likes of Facebook and Twitter or X, uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter, um, uh, it's it's really a uh, a media it's it's a media streaming service, and so um, uh, on top of that, it's a media streaming service that offers video and audio. So it competes against 
Apple Music, Spotify, Netflix, Disney, and Amazon Prime Video. So uh, it's it's like this, um, it, you know, uh, where where Elon Musk says he wants to um, turn Twitter into an everything app. YouTube is already uh, far more on its way to being an everything app than than Twitter is um, in in terms of not you know in terms of messaging functionality and 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 payments and that sort of thing, but in terms of bringing social and media together. Um, uh, YouTube has done uh, a, a fantastic job. It's, it's, um, it's, firstly, it's YouTube, the YouTube we all know and love. Mm. Then it's a TikTok because it's got shorts. And then it's a Spotify because it's got music built in. And so I think it's quite interesting that you say it's uh, unique and that it's not just, you know, a music service. So not just competing with, you know, the Apples, the Spotify's, the titles, etc. It's not just a video business. So they would just be competing with, like you say, Disney. So they, they're competing. They have lots of competitors, but seemingly they are doing something right. Do we know what it is that YouTube premium and music are getting right? And, and also, quite frankly, in two different markets, essentially, both in the music yes. business and in the video streaming business. Um, one would imagine that they would be the ones struggling the most precisely because they are competing in two, I guess, two, two markets, two industries. But there's something that they're getting right. Yes. So I think, um, I, I don't know if it's a good market research or if they've kind of stumbled upon a winning formula. Um, but I, I can speak, uh, and, and I haven't seen, um, you know, sort of how this breaks down demographically. So, but I can speak from my own experience. And, um, and so, firstly, um, uh, the, the, the killer feature for YouTube Premium is you don't see ads on YouTube anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, on top of that, they have the, it's not just like one plan. Uh, you know, you get, you, when you subscribe to, to YouTube Premium, um, you get YouTube Music bolted on for free. So that's, I think, really bolstered the uptake of YouTube Music. And then they've got like these family and student plans, which everybody does. But for YouTube, the video streaming service, that family plan is incredibly powerful. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it um, you know, offers a lot of value. And I think uh, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, families or, or just sort of groups of friends who decide to band together or whatever the case might be, uh, you know, look at that and go, that's actually tremendous value and we'll do it. And then on top of that, when you scratch a little further into the whole YouTube premium thing, you go, oh, hang on a second. Creators on YouTube earn more money from me as a YouTube premium subscriber than they do from advertising. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, you feel good um, about, about, you know, uh, paying for, for access. So like uh, uh, um, Google just offers you so much value in comparison to, to um, uh, you know, other premium plans uh, w- with respect to this. So, you know, no, and, and I think when people say, you know, they, when, they've ex- when you've experienced YouTube premium, when you've experienced YouTube without ads, um, it, it is incredibly difficult to go back. And, and yeah. that, statement, that statement I agree with, you know, when people say it's difficult to go back from YouTube premium. And that's why people got so upset when YouTube started cracking down on, on ad blockers that were blocking YouTube ads. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no uh, you can't, you know, you can't have it, you know, both ways. We have a plan for not seeing ads. So you can choose, you know, see ads or not see ads. And if you don't want to see ads, you have to, you have to pay for that, for, for that. Uh, so that we pay the creators who derive a salary essentially 
from YouTube as well. And, and so, like, I think that they've really struck this this happy medium um, of you know of, of sustainable building like a sustainable social video ecosystem, and then they bolt on music on the back of that uh, because uh, they they um, really did a lot of work. When it came to music, um, the, the, like people might not remember this, but um, there was like Google uh, and potentially even before Google owned YouTube, it faced huge copyright lawsuits mm -hmm. from the music industry because people were uploading music and music videos to YouTube and the music industry was saying that YouTube was getting big on the back of pirated content. And that's when YouTube built Content ID and it built a mechanism to share revenue with, with copyright owners. And so YouTube had, was forced into building all of these systems to keep the music industry happy and the copyright lobby happy. And so um, they, they essentially got a music streaming service for free. Um, out of their video streaming service, and so they can just they can just offer that to to customers as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's really a, a powerful um, cocktail or a powerful stew um, that they've they've put, put together over the years. Interestingly, though, so the new subscriber figure, while it's quite I mean impressive, 100 million subscribers is still quite small compared to their overall user base, which apparently yes. is 2.5 billion people. But to me, that suggests or maybe it raises two questions. So for a long time, there was the belief that it was impossible to make people pay for content online. Certainly content they previously got for free. It's the one thing many a platform is still trying to figure out is how do you make people pay for content that they get online, whether that is news, that is music, that is, you know, some celebrities have apps or, you know, celebrity content. But so it seems the answer is yes, but you can make people pay, but you're not going to be able to make all people pay. That's exactly the, the correct conclusion. And so once again, what YouTube did was rather than saying uh, if if you want, um, you know, certain functionality or features that you used to get for free, um, uh, you now have to pay for that. They, they chose specifically not to do that. Um, they, they toyed with an idea of making 4K, making that a YouTube premium feature. There was immediate community backlash, but some creators were in support of that. Um, you know, some some creators on YouTube actually said, actually, that's that's not a that's not a bad idea to to make YouTube more sustainable because 4K consumes like um, just just because you know it's. Um, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, the, the 12, you know, 16 times the resolution or whatever the case might be, um, it's actually, you know, it might consume uh, 50 or 100 times the resources that offering something in 1080p does. And so be that as it may, um, YouTube very quickly backed down from that idea. And that's been kind of YouTube's philosophy is yes and. So it's like, yes, we will give you YouTube for free, just like you've always had it with ads. And we will give you the option of choosing a premium subscription, um, which then gives you a whole bunch of uh, um, value. And that value that we want to offer you and see if, it, you know, if people take it up, there's no ads. Um, and elsewhere in the world, it is downloads. So uh, in, in, um, in markets like South Africa, uh, YouTube actually lets you download videos 
because of um, you know how how data you know just how internet penetration works in South Africa. Not everybody has Wi-Fi at home and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. most people data costs are expensive. Yeah, you know, you know, which is quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they allow downloads uh, for free, which is normally a YouTube premium feature. But everybody else in the world has to pay for that. And also, if you want to listen to stuff in the background. So in other words, um, start up a video or, or something on YouTube and then um, make your phone go to sleep or switch to a different app, then that's a premium feature. And so uh, they, they, their strategy was always like, we will not take away the ad-supported option and we will not dumb down the ad-supported option. You will always get what you've always got on, on YouTube free and YouTube premium adds to that and you can choose so that's that's been that's been their success compared to um other people's strategy when it comes to premium models including um elon musk's at twitter x where um they actually um, gated some stuff um that you know would have been free behind a paywall um and uh to, to mixed results it, i mean that that it's not to say that that can't work um, but certainly Google has proven that its model has been wildly successful. Mm. The other question that I thought was quite interesting, certainly with uh, YouTube, is uh, in terms of what you charge as a subscription, how much of a difference does that make? Because as far as I know, and I stand to be corrected, most of these streaming services uh, are under, well, what converts to certainly in South Africa under 100 Rand. Um, so um, uh, I, I have Tidal and I think Tidal is about 80 bucks. For a long time, mm-hmm. Apple Music was 69. They recently had an increase, but it's still under 100 yeah. Rand. Disney Plus, I think is 99 Rand or they launched with 99 Rand. Netflix used to be under 100. They've recently gone up, I think, ever so slightly. And I wonder if that is deliberate, that all of these subscription services are under a hundred grand, say for, I think it is Netflix. I'll need to double check um, that. And if that is part of the the tool to say, well, you can get all of this for less than a hundred grand. Uh, yes. In a, in, in, and so the best services make sure that they properly localize their prices for the markets where they operate. And so anybody from Google listening, I know I give you a lot of grief about the fact that the Pixel phones are, are not in South Africa, but um, uh, I, I do appreciate, you know, that um, sub- subscription services like YouTube Premium, the prices are localized for South Africa. It's not a direct dollar conversion mm. from the U.S. price to, to here in South Africa. And there's precious few services who do that well. Um, mercifully, in the streaming segment, that seems to have happened. So Netflix, uh, Disney, Amazon Prime, YouTube... Um, all of those services, um, and then Showmax, but Showmax doesn't operate um, outside of Africa anymore, but it certainly um, localizes its prices for the rest of Africa as well. So, you know, we're in South Africa, Showmax would be 89 Rand. Elsewhere on the continent, the, the prices would be um, usually substantially lower because um, uh, other African countries are substantially poorer than South Africa is. And, and so um, the, the, that is deliberate. You can see um, that these uh, companies think very carefully about uh, what people can afford to pay in certain countries and make sure that their pricing is adjusted, um, you know, to, uh, accordingly. Uh, because obviously uh, part of it is 
Uh, they're, they're for-profit entities, so they want to make sure that they that they make money and that they return profits to, to investors and shareholders where they are publicly traded or where they have shareholders. But also, every, every dollar of profit that they have, they can plow a portion of that back into content. And so that means, uh, you know, actors, production companies, um, all kinds of people in those creative industries or in music, uh, producers and artists and musicians, um, you know, get, get more work. You can, you can pay to employ more people. And so, um, uh, yeah, the, the price points are set deliberately to try uh, and, and, and at, a, at a place where you go, this, this um, is sustainable. Like I can charge this price and not take a loss um, and make, you know, this much profit in this area uh, without pricing, if, you know, too many people out of the market. Is, you know, how do I maximize the number of people who can subscribe to my service without undermining my service in the process? Because that was going to be my next question. If the amounts are being kept uh, sort of where they are, so below 100 rand, and that's quite deliberate, um, does that mean then the pressure is on the platforms to get, so they need more numbers to make more money? So whereas, exactly. so each, each subscription is cheaper, so you, so then what you're hoping is, yes, you're making less money per person, but hopefully in the long run, you get enough people that, well, you, you make up that loss anyway, because you have so many people. Yeah, exactly. And you can see how the strategy is playing out long term with Netflix, who's kind of one of the oldest hands in, in this industry um, and Spotify to, to a greater or lesser extent as well. Um, so um, what you can see with Netflix is that they knew from the beginning if they wanted to, uh, if they wanted to make a go of it at the price points that they were charging, they needed to go global scale. And so uh, that is um, that, that that brings an interesting dynamic for a player like MultiChoice here in South Africa and the Showmax, um, because you have to get to like a certain level of adoption before your price point actually makes sense. Before that, you you um, are actually taking a loss until you reach a certain break-even point. And, um, and what we see with Netflix, for example, is that they have been consistently hiking prices elsewhere in the world, especially in their home market in the United States, um, to try and shore up revenues um, when the business model starts breaking. So here in South Africa, we've only had one price increase, but not everybody in the world is that lucky. Uh, elsewhere in the world, Netflix has had multiple price increases um, be- to sustain its level of investment in original content uh, to to take on the competition that's coming online, which includes you know Disney and HBO and uh, Peacock from NBC and, and various others. So Warner Brothers Discovery have their you know have their stuff with HBO as well. And so um, uh, yeah, there, there is a tremendous amount of pressure uh, on those price points, and um, the this is uh, definitely. That the way things are now is not necessarily where we will end up with a sustainable streaming industry in 10 years from now. Uh, we'll see where those price points end up at the, at the end of the day. I really hope it doesn't end up exactly the same as pay TV was 
Um, yeah. Because this was supposed to be the thing that disrupted that industry and, and brought us more value. Yeah, I mean, if you if you are subscribed to a number of services, so uh, for instance, I have two music services, and between those, there are 150 rand, I think, and then uh, two streaming services. So I don't have Apple TV because I wasn't using it. I have Showmax and Netflix. Um, that all comes together to just under 500 rand, which technically is what I think. I mean, I haven't had a DSTV subscription in many years. Is what like a, a TV, a pay TV subscription would cost. Um, so there has been a bit of a concern that, well, as you try kind of come out of the pay TV um, subscription model, you end up with the bundles paying that much anyway. But are we yeah. getting more for the same amount? I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet. I haven't done the yeah. maths. Yeah, yeah. I think we're definitely getting more. Um, and if you factor in inflation, um, so if you look at, you know, uh, you know what, um, you know, if, if you look at f um, five years, five years is actually too short a time frame. Um, eight to ten years ago, uh, what we were paying for pay TV then, and you factor in inflation, um, then you, you can see that we do get uh, a lot more value uh, um, you know, for that same amount of money uh, that we pay. Um, but yeah, about, about 500 Rand a month is what you would pay for. I think DSTV Compact um, or DSTV Compact Plus maybe a, a couple of years ago. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, it, it doesn't feel like we've won um, in terms of how much we pay per month. But um, what, we, what, we, what we are essentially trading is greater control. So you can choose exactly like you've just said, like I'm, I also don't have my, my Apple TV plus is not active at the moment. Um, I'll probably do that over a vacation when I can uh, really sink my teeth into that really good tip top notch content on there. And, um, and like it's something that demands a lot of attention just because of how good it is. And so, um, there's, there's that. And then, uh, you know, you can cancel that. And if you say, Oh no, but I'm not really using my prime video right now, you know, Reacher is over and that was the only thing I was really watching. So let me, I'm going to be watching Showmax and Netflix. So then you can switch off parts of your subscription. And that's not something that was possible on pay TV. It was all pretty fixed bundles. We're starting to see pay TV fracture a bit more, um, usually in something like dedicated sports, um, you know, having like a dedicated sports offering uh, for people who don't want uh, pay TV's entertainment options because they use streaming services for that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, yeah, you don't really win uh, in terms of monthly price for that. The, the, the only victory is choice. You can choose to say, I, I only want to watch the Olympics. So I'll activate my sports subscription for the Olympics. And when the Olympics is over, I cancel it. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying one fixed amount every month throughout the year, you can adjust your spend based on what you're actually watching at any given time. Mm -hmm. Just a final question. YouTube Premium and Music seem to be getting it right. So there's something they are getting right. Is there a platform that is not getting the subscription model, the pay-to-use model right? Would that be X or is there someone else? Yeah, yeah. In social media terms, um, I don't think X is really coming out ahead. Um, but that's because it was in trouble to begin with. So it, it was already really not bringing in enough advertising um, to, to sustain the platform. And, you know, a lot of those advertisers were further alienated. Um, but it's, 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 it's incredibly fluid uh, because of how um, volatile 
X itself is, you know, advertisers come and then they get scared off and then they come back. And so it's difficult to say at any given moment um, whether X is treading water or busy drowning. Um, so, yeah, that's one. I'm not a huge fan of the way Twitch does it. Um, but also, I'm, I'm uh, obviously, uh, I might not be Twitch's core demographic. For those who don't know, Twitch is a game streaming service that is owned by Amazon. Hmm. And, um, and they used to offer a Twitch premium service that also turned off all ads. And then they dumbed that down. It, it, it used to be part of um, Amazon Prime Video. And now that Prime subscription you get with Amazon Prime Video um, was, uh, was substantially weakened, and I suspect because it wasn't sustainable. So now, um, but they, they've now added a new Twitch premium subscription back that, that lets you watch Twitch without ads. I haven't tried it yet, so I'll, I'll see how that goes. But that, that, um, that thing in the middle, you know, that uncertainty in the middle where you're like, oh, you know, we're kind of fussing with our, our business model that creates a lot of uncertainty in subscribers. And, and, and um, like me, uh, you know, they might go away. They might go away for months or years before they come back and take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, off the top of my head, um, those those are the those are the ones um, that, yeah. that aren't really cracking it. Um, everybody else is really trying. Um, Netflix itself has actually copied the ad-supported model um, that uh, you know that that YouTube has has made a success of, and not only Netflix, others have. Where you go, um, we'll have an an option with ads and we'll have an option without ads and then people can can choose which one. But now what's happening is with Netflix and I think Disney and a lot of these streaming services around the world, we, we haven't seen this in South Africa and I don't think we will because we have mobile plans here, but in more mature, wealthier economies, they are doing ad-supported plans, um, but they're not free like YouTube. So YouTube, you can watch free with ads. uh, With the premium streaming services, they're saying, okay, you can pay half the price, but then there's ads, which is very much what the pay TV model used to look like. And I'm I'm dubious about that model. Um, uh, We'll see how successful it is. Um, But, you know, maybe maybe that's exactly what people in wealthier nations want. Um, I I certainly don't want that. I I would want to see either free with ads or paid without ads. That way, you know exactly what you're getting. Jan, as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time this morning. My pleasure. Have a great day further. You too. That's Editor at Large at My Broadband, Jan van Meulen, joining us for the future of this morning.